everybody, and welcome to the Death of Death podcast. You know what I've realized about myself uh, now that I'm doing a video podcast is that I do this a lot, and I have no idea what that is. Uh, I think it's uh, some kind of celebratory thing, but uh, don't do that in normal life. I'm not really sure why that happens. Hold on. My laptop's going to die. Let's plug this baby in. All right. I'm, uh, I'm ready to go. I got a good cup of coffee here. I don't drink good coffee. I drink Dunkin' Donuts, but to me, that's artisan and uh, gourmet. It's really good. I drank Folgers for years, and compared to that, this is the best coffee I've ever had. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on edge. I'm jittery. I haven't eaten today. It's almost 1.30. No food, lots of coffee. I'm ready to go. It's time. It's time for this episode. This episode's about death. As, as a lot of our episodes are. But, uh, you know, the namesake of the show, The Death of Death, uh, you know, the show's supposed to talk about this topic a lot more frequently, and so we're going to talk about it today. I, I can't, you know, get straight into what I am going to talk about today, which is the memento mori. I think I can spoil that here. But I got to tell you kind of my thought process leading into it. Um, We celebrated our one-year anniversary on the 3rd, on the 3rd of May. And that year flew by so quickly that it just got me thinking about my entire life. Uh, You know, just how fast everything is going to fly by. Uh, You know, it just, it seems like, you know, a couple months ago, maybe, that uh, Ashley and I were in a park, you know, block away from the house I grew up in, standing under a tree with uh, Pastor Chris Pobletti, and he announced us husband and wife, and then we went to San Diego for the weekend or, you know, a couple days. Um, you know, that seems like just a few days ago, and uh, now I, I celebrate this one year anniversary and and find out that you know things are going by a lot quicker than i uh you know than i perceive in the day-to-day and uh that's that's this uh you know it's a time perception thing where (laughs) you know uh everything is is kind of different lengths of time depending on the nature of the thing that you're doing and um you know i realized this when i was 25 um when I, when I turned 25, I know I've got a friend, Sam, who's, who's going to be 25 pretty soon. Uh, so, you know, this is going to be shocking if, if it's the first time you've heard this and to anyone else out there. But I, I told him this when, when he told me that he was going to turn 25. I said, when I turned 25, I realized that I was the same distance from 10 as I was to 40. And so what I mean by that was I was 15 years removed from 10 years old, and in another 15 years, I was going to be 40. So I was, ha- you know, I remember 10 years old like it was yesterday. I mean, now, even though it's only been a couple of years since I was 25, uh, I feel more removed from 10 than I was when I was 25, for whatever reason. I don't, I don't know why, but when I turned 25... 10 years old felt like the blink of an eye. And, uh, and then in that same amount of time, I'm going to be 40. Now I'm even closer to it because it's been a few years and 
uh, you know, it just shows you how quickly it all goes, you know, uh, one blink of an eye, I'm 40, same distance, I'm 55, same distance, I'm 70. And then maybe one more, definitely not two. Uh, you know, I might hit 85. I think I've got pretty good genes. Most people in my family make it pretty old, especially on my dad's side. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I might make it into the nineties, uh, you know, both of my grandparents on, on his side made it pretty far into their nineties. So, uh, you know, maybe, but, uh, but even if it's, it's, what is that four blinks, blinks of the eye that I just counted out, you know, it's going to be over really quickly. And now I'm not trying to depress you. This, this probably is coming across really manic, really depressing, but, uh, you know, it's just something that I've been thinking about. And, you know, it's something that I, I think about often when there's an anniversary or a birthday or something, I think about how quickly the year went by and, and that leads me into thinking how quickly the last five years went by and, you know, um, and and then on the other hand, you know, it feels like Ashley and I have known each other a lot longer than we have, you know, we haven't even known each other two years yet, but it feels like a lot longer, but it feels like way shorter than a year that we've been married. Uh, so there's this weird time perception thing when it comes to, uh, the nature of the things that you're doing. Um, you know, life is quick and, uh, and someone once someone wrote in a poem that, uh, I'm actually going to bring it up in a second, but, uh, someone wrote in a poem essentially that your entire life is summed up by that dash between the year you were born and the year you died. Let's, uh, I'm going to open, I'm going to open that up and I was just going to take a few quotes out of it, but I might as well just read the whole thing. It's short. I do have the tendency to edit as I read because some of these syllabic, syllabic, uh, structures are off and I'm a stickler for the proper amount of syllables. So, um, I read of a man, this is, uh, who is this from? This is, uh, Linda Ellis. She wrote this in 96, I guess. I read of a man who stood to speak at a funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on the tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted that first came the date of birth and spoke of the following date with tears, but he said what mattered most of all was the dash between those years. For that dash represents all the time they spent alive on earth, and now only those who love them know what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. So think about this long and hard. Are there things you'd like to change? For you never know how much time is left that still can be rearranged. To be less quick to anger and show appreciation more and love the people in our lives like we've never loved before. If we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering that this special dash might only last a while. So when your eulogy is being read with your life's actions to rehash, would you be proud of the things they say about how you lived your dash? Now, that's obviously not coming from a Christian perspective, but, uh, you know, it makes the point very well that I'm trying to make that life is a dash between these, you know, trivial dates, really, it doesn't really matter when you're born or when you die. But uh, the most important part is that dash. And, and, uh, you know, that's, that's the whole thing right there. (laughs) You know, they might write other, other stuff on your, 
you know, your gravestone, but uh, that's that's the summary, a dash, a little line, you know. Um, so I've, I've kind of been going with this realization that uh, time is running out. Not that it is a realization. It's like it's always been something that I've been aware of, but uh, I've just been thinking about it a little bit more lately, especially in terms of this show and, and uh, you know, the things that we talk about on the show. Ah, that's good coffee. Anyways, um, <laughs> there's, there's a song by Oingo Boingo called We Close Our Eyes. Really good song. I can't play it here because of, uh, you know, YouTube's policies, but uh, we were going to play it at our wedding um, that the government canceled. And it, it uh, the chorus says, uh, we close our eyes and the world has turned around again. We close our eyes and dream and another year is come and gone. And that's exactly the kind of thing that I'm, I'm saying. You just blink and a huge chunk of your life just goes by so quickly. And, uh, you know, time perception is a really weird thing. Um, I remember I was on a worship team 10 or 11 years ago, and we were a really busy worship team. Like, uh, we were, I mean, at one point we were the only worship team in the church. At one point there were two, but we got the brunt of the responsibility at one point in like 2010. And so we were just really busy. And uh, there was this one weekend where we had, and we had like four hour long practices. Like every week we would practice for like four hours. And and that's why we were really good. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to have some fake humility about how good we were as a band. We just did bad songs (laughs) with bad theology. But um, we, we, uh, we had practice on Friday. That was going to be like a three, you know, three to five hour practice probably. We had an event at the church on Saturday. Uh, We had three services to do on (laughs) Sunday morning. And then we were going to play at another church in Buena Park on like Sunday afternoon to evening time. So I was talking with uh, Sherry Walker. She's been featured on the show before. She was the worship leader of that that team. And uh, we were kind of going over the schedule her and I, and, and she looked at me with like despair in her eyes. And she just looked at me and said like, this is going to be such a long weekend. And I don't know what she would have to say about it if she even remembers such a thing, but it wasn't for me. Like it, it was grueling for sure, but uh, it flew by, you know, uh, looking ahead at it, it was like, oh my gosh, that's 72 hours of nonstop you know, playing, lugging equipment in the car, you know, sitting backstage in the green room during the sermons like that. That is a huge weekend, like just packed full, packed full of stuff. And uh, and then all of a sudden it was Monday morning and I was sleeping in, you know, till the till the afternoon. And, you know, part of that was I, I didn't sleep at all on Saturday night. So I was a zombie. I I was completely out of my head in a fever dream most of the weekend. And, uh, you know, so was it a long weekend? Maybe for some people, but for me, it wasn't because of just the fast paced nature of everything we were doing that weekend, you know? So there is a thing in time perception, which has become like a whole part of neurology is this study of how different people perceive different amounts of time. And, um, 
you know, they've, they've discovered a lot of really weird things, uh, like motivation, like how motivated you are to complete a task can basically determine how quickly it goes by for you. Like the more motivated you are, the quicker time goes. Um, they've determined that, uh, watching a video goes faster than, uh, listening to audio. So, you know, which, which makes sense to me because I listen to a podcast called hardcore history and every episode is like three to four hours long. And occasionally I'll watch the video version of Joe Rogan whenever there's someone interesting on and, and Joe Rogan goes, you know, three to four hours as well. And it seems to me like I'll sit and watch Joe Rogan in one sitting and then I will listen to hardcore history like in chunks over two days like it just goes by so much slower even when i've got the the playback speed sped up um you know so that that does ring true to me that that depending on how much stimuli is in your eyes like your your eyes being stimulated make things go quicker than just listening to something um you know which brings me to my next point if you haven't subscribed to the death of death uh YouTube channel. I'm sorry. The reason I stuttered just there is because I realized I never introduced the show. Like I always introduce the show. Welcome to the death of death podcast where we proclaim Christ's victory over sin, death and everything else. I'm your host, Nick Stewart. I always say that. And I forgot to say it today. And when I went into my spiel about the YouTube channel, I realized that I, I like had to stop and think for a second if I actually did that big oversight on my part, but you should subscribe to the YouTube channel, even if you only listen to the podcast on a podcast app, because it helps the numbers for the show. Uh, but you should really consider watching the show because it goes by quicker in your perception. So anyways, man, that was, that was supposed to be like a funny moment. And then I totally screwed it up by realizing I made a mistake at the top of the show. Hilarious. This is the stuff that can't be scripted, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, you know, the reason I threw that in there is just always be closing. You know, you always want to be making the sale. So uh, go subscribe and share. Share this video somewhere. Um, and then there's, uh, oh, man, I meant to write a pronunciation guide for this. I believe it is Verort's Law. Verort was a neuroscientist who developed what came to be known as Verort's Law. And basically it said that shorter periods of time tend to be overestimated and long periods of time tend to be underestimated. And so an example of this would be, uh, you know, hold your breath for 30 seconds and I bet that's going to feel like a really long time. But on the other hand, before you know it, you'll be getting ready for bed tonight and you'll be waking up tomorrow morning. And then before you know it, you'll be getting ready for bed tomorrow night as well. Um, you know, the next two days are going to fly by, but this 30 seconds that you're in now while you're holding your breath is going to be really slow and grueling. Um, you know, so in the same way, uh, you know, the five minutes that I spend explaining to an elderly relative, like what a podcast is, is going to feel much longer than the 60 ish years that I have left on this planet. Uh, because the, the motivations are different. The stimuli is different. The, you know, enjoyment is different. Um, so, you know, although time is not a subjective thing at all, in reality, the clock is objective, but our perception of that time is incredibly relative. 
um, you know, it could feel like nothing to us. So out of this, we have the concept of memento mori. It's Latin for remember death. I know I've talked about it on the show before. Uh, I think in episode 52, I think was the episode we talked about it, but, um, you know, remembering death and that manifests itself in all sorts of ways. Uh, some, some, you know, the Puritans would have skulls and stuff around to, to remind them that they're mortal, that eventually they're going to be just like this skull right here. Although not just like that, cause that's plastic, but similar to that. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and apparently their cemeteries were sick. I would love, I saw some pictures online. I would love to go look at some of these in real life, but they were big into putting like grim reapers on, on their tombstones and, um, you know, skulls and hourglasses and just stuff that reminded people that death is coming. Death is, you know, incipient for all of us. And, you know, back then it was a lot easier for, uh, you know, the Puritans specifically to keep the reality of death in mind, because think about what they didn't have, you know, there, there, there were hospital type things, but most people died at home and there were not services for the most part. I mean, there probably were some cemeteries or funeral homes or something that, that had services that came and picked up your dead. But for the most part, people probably had to handle that themselves, you know, your, your dad died in the living room on his sick bed and you probably carried him or put him in a wagon or something and took him to the cemetery and started making funeral preparations. You know, there was a, you know, there was less of a barrier between them and death. Like there is, you know, unlike today where you die in a hospital miles probably from where you live and professionals come and take you away and, you know, you never have to have any part of it. You pay people to handle that for you. And, you know, it's kind of nice. I'm not going to lie. It's it's great that uh, basically capitalism has gotten us to the point where we don't have to handle that incredibly painful thing for ourselves. But at the same time, there's a, there's a barrier between us and, and the reality of death. And I, I, maybe I misspoke. It's not a barrier between us and the reality of death. It's a barrier between us and the perception of death, you know? So to us, you know, you're here one day and you're gone the next, you know, without a lot of reality to it, you know, where we don't have to see the body. We don't have to touch it. We don't, you know, a lot of people don't even have open caskets anymore. A lot of people are cremated and you never even see their bodies, but, uh, you know, but, but back then, you watched people die. You handled their corpse. You took them away yourself, probably, you know, in some more gruesome, uh, you know, deaths, you cleaned up the blood, you know, there weren't professionals, sanitation services that came and dealt with that for you, you know, and some people, you know, people, you know, people who are not of means, today have to take care of that themselves too. You know, someone once told me a story about, uh, you know, their, their cousin committing suicide and, um, with a gun, leave your imagination to that. And, uh, the, the family couldn't afford the, the sanitation cleanup thing. And so all the family members came over and helped them clean up the brains and the blood 
And uh, that's a hard thing for me to even imagine. It's hard, it's hard for me to even imagine that, you know, being legal, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, that's, that's how far removed we are. We, it's just like, oh, something happened in my house and, and now the government takes care of that for me you know, or a service takes care of it or, or something like there's not, a, there's no sense of responsibility when it comes to the reality of death all around us. But, but there should be, there should be more of a, of an awareness of it because uh, they've actually done studies and found that about a hundred percent of people die. Like death is almost universal except for Tupac. Tupac's alive and he's coming back. But for everyone else, it's an inevitability. It is coming. And, uh, you know, when you realize that, how big are your problems when you realize that someday, on a day perhaps not unlike today, you're going to die? Yeah, it's, it's kind of a big deal, right? <laughs> it's kind of maybe makes your problems in the moment feel not so big, you know? Um, I, I, you know, I'm facing issues in, uh, in my life right now that are no big deal in the grand scheme of things. But, you know, they're a serious pain in the ass right now because be, just because of the nature of them. There's things like car insurance and uh, cats with ringworm and... Uh, you know, the government destroying my career in barbering and, uh, you know, just, just everything just piling up, you know, my tax returns have been rejected like eight times, <laughs> you know? So, uh, all this stuff just piles up and, uh, you know, it's draining. It's like mentally draining to be dealing with all of this all at the same time. But then, you know, celebrate my one year anniversary and realize how quickly things are going by and how, you know, things will end one day. And I'm fortunate if they end in 50 years, you know, there's no guarantee of that. I might, I might slip in the shower and, you know, split my cranium open tomorrow and then it's all over. And, you know, that, that date fills in a lot earlier than you expected, you know, 93 to 2021, <laughs> you know, who saw that coming? I don't know. But, you know, the reality is, is that there's tomorrow's guaranteed to no man. So this, this keeping in mind remembering death memento mori or this just keeping in mind the fact that it's all going to end one day is incredibly necessary for staying humble incredibly necessary for not getting discouraged and not uh, dwelling on these things that are really no big deal in the grand scheme of it all and you know when you, when you focus on everything that you do have like the the lack of death in areas of your life you know my wife is healthy my parents and my sister are healthy. You know, most importantly, my cats are healthy, despite the ringworm that's getting sorted out. It's almost gone, but, uh, you know, that everyone is healthy and, you know, death is coming, but today it hasn't come. And doesn't that make the taxes just more bearable? Doesn't that make, you know, the fact that I didn't have enough time to read today just a little bit more bearable? It does for me, and I hope it does for you, too. And, you know, I've said it on the podcast before, uh, but but I've said it's going to be okay even if it's not. And, you know, the context of that was, was that Jesus is king of the earth. He is ruling over the entire planet, even when it doesn't seem like it. And so, you know, I, I think I said it around election time. And I know I've said it a, a bunch of times, but I think 
the the most notable time was around election time when I, you know, just said like, let's keep in mind the worst case scenario, like worst case for us as Americans, which what the heck does that even mean? But for us as, as people who live in America, uh, what's the worst case scenario? Like America falls to an enemy or falls to financial collapse, which I think is probably a lot more likely sooner than later. And then what happens? Well, I mean, <laughs> a lot of bad things would happen, but ultimately, I don't know. I think Americans spreading abroad over the whole earth would, would do a lot of good for the earth. I think that would spread, you know, freedom, you know, the ideals of freedom, which, you know, people think that we have ideals of freedom, even though our government doesn't actually carry those out. I think the individuals in this country very much have the ideals of freedom and uh and christianity is huge in this country even if it's kind of a truncated you know uh inferior kind of view of it i think it would spread all over the planet if if america fell and and everyone had to kind of go to other places um so you know that's just an example of like it's gonna be okay even if it's not you know like yeah a lot of bad things would happen if if america fell but it's not going to be the end of the world it's going to be the end of america and america is not the world it's a big globe that christ is ruling over and it's not going to be the end just because of one country uh basically being on a suicide mission for <laughs> hundreds of years and then it didn't work out for him like uh, who, who didn't see that coming um but you know death is the great equalizer and it is this thing that we should be keeping in mind but probably not dwelling on you know it shouldn't be like that how i met your mother episode where Marshall's uh, health insurance ran out. And so he spends the whole episode being afraid of death and having all these fantasies of bears attacking him for no reason and stuff. Shouldn't be like that either, but it should just be a healthy respect and acknowledgement of the fact that we're going to take our last breath at some point and that some of the things that we're thinking about or dealing with aren't going to matter when that happens. And for us as Christians, sorry, I always get coffee in my mustache. For us as Christians, the reality is a little different. You know, for us, it's a reminder that Jesus has broken the law of sin and death. You know, the wages of sin is death. That means the result of sin is death. But Jesus died with no sin on his account. He paid for our sin by his death on the cross and he died sin, sin sinless and righteous that broke the law of sin and death death was not able to hold him he was not bound by the power of death it had no dominion over him and everyone he credits that righteousness and that eternal life to also is not under the dominion of death also Death has no claim on that person. So for us as Christians who have been, uh, you know, redeemed, credited uh, Christ's righteousness to our accounts, uh, we are not under the domain of death. We are going to physically die. Yeah. But death is so much different for us. You know, it, it, it is the same. We're all going to take our last breath. But it's different for us because when the unbeliever takes their last breath, they take their next breath in their final death 
when we take our last breath here on earth, we take our first breath into an eternal reality of joy and worshiping God. Every tear being wiped away, we cross that threshold and Jesus meets us at the door and welcomes us into paradise. You know, a lot different, a lot different for us, isn't it? So the important thing is that we don't make light of it because I've, I've been in cultures that do this, you know, I've, I've been in cultures where someone dies and it's like, well, we're going to have a celebration of life then, or someone dies and, and at church that morning, it's like, hallelujah, they went home to be with the Lord. Aren't we all so happy? And it's like, I get it. I get what you're saying but we shouldn't be celebrating death, you know? And I think I kind of have the reputation as someone who does that and I don't at all, you know? There's a skull on the table and it's not because I love death and I wanna die and I'm emo, you know? Like, it's not that at all. It is, a, it is just a reminder of the reality and the inevitability of, of that final breath. And, uh, you know, we, we don't celebrate death. We celebrate the fact that we're not uh, under the domain of death, that, uh, you know, it doesn't have dominion over us, that we've been set free from it. You know, that's what we celebrate in death. There, there can be a healthy celebration of the fact that someone went home to be with the Lord, as we like to say in our Christianese. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think it should dominate the conversation. I just read, uh, I think it's back here. I just read R.C. Sproul's biography by Stephen Nichols. Fantastic book. Uh, Stephen Nichols is just a great writer, and it helps that R.C. Sproul is an incredibly interesting person. But, uh, you know, when he dealt with uh, R.C.'s death, it was not this celebratory, you know, thank God he's finally out of his misery, and he's finally, you know, you know he had COPD, and he was he could barely breathe. You know, I'm sure it wasn't a... a a, you know, a cakewalk to live in his body for the last couple of years. But um, the fact that he's out of his misery could have been something to celebrate. But the reality is, is that he died younger than he could have. You know, he's only in his early 70s, I believe. And, uh, you know, a little earlier than he could have. And he was an amazing Bible teacher. And the world is just a little bit impoverished for having lost him, you know. And so I think it was appropriate not to make this big, oh, hallelujah, he's dead kind of thing, you know, which just is so backwards when you look at it from that perspective. Uh, the reality is, is that, yes, we can take comfort in the fact that R.C. Sproul's in heaven now, but we can't celebrate the fact that he died. We can't celebrate the fact that he took his last breath and uh, also ruined his family's Christmas, by the way. He died on, like, December 15th, 2017, uh, you know, so uh, it was not a, a good celebratory thing for the people he left behind. Don't know how I got on that tangent, but, uh, you know, so we're not going to be celebrating this, but we're, we're also not going to be like hiding from it like Marshall did on how I met your mother, you know? So I already, already talked about that, but you know, uh, the reality is, is that you never see a, a hearse with a U-Haul on it. My youth pastor used to say that to me all the time. You never see a hearse with a U-Haul on it, meaning like you can't take it with you when you go. You know, you're, you, you can amass wealth and knowledge 
and even power probably if you use it properly and you can have those things and those are not bad things if used properly but you're not taking them with you when you go maybe you're taking knowledge you're probably taking knowledge you're not taking the money you're not taking the property you're not taking your status you're not taking your uh you know instagram followers uh <laughs> any of that you're not taking that with you and so there should be a healthy understanding of our relationship with those things because they're not bad things it's not bad that i have a podcast and that you know seven people listen to it it's not bad that i've amassed that a massive amount of success over the uh, the greatest reformed theology show to ever exist on the planet unparalleled really uh only a distant second would be whatever thing you listen to um it's it's not a bad thing that i've done that at such an early age um, <laughs> um but you know, I need to keep in mind that it's not coming with me. I need to use it properly while I have it. And I need to use it to talk about the gospel and, and God's word and proclaim Christ's victory over sin, death, and everything else. But uh, still can't take it with me. So, little humility, a little respect for the fact that we're on borrowed time. You know, um... I think we should we should follow worthwhile pursuits in this life and stay humble about them knowing that someday we take that last breath. So we should just remember death. So heavy episode today. I am sorry. Not only did I go probably 15 minutes longer than I expected to, but uh, <laughs> it was a heavy subject matter and I swear the outline was not that intense. Uh, there was <laughs> less less uh dark darkness in the outline that i had prepared today so uh, i do have a few things to remind you of before we go before i just leave you alone to kind of sit in your depression and think about death for like an hour uh i'm just kidding you can message me you can uh, email contact at death of death Dot net uh, if you really have been affected by today's episode and you need to talk about it with someone and i'm not even joking contact at death of death uh, .net, uh, because yeah, this, this was intense. So I don't want to leave you, uh, all alone if, if you really have been affected negatively by what I talked about today. <laughs> um, uh, a couple of announcements again, share this video somewhere and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Also, um, you've probably all seen it now, but I made a trailer for the YouTube channel and I made it very general so it can just be about the podcast and not the YouTube channel specifically, but um, it's about a minute long. I uh, just talk about what the podcast is, what we do. I'm kind of screwing around a little bit on it. Um, but uh, share that video. If you have friends that like Reformed Theology, they listen to podcasts, it's a minute long video. You share that. It'll tell people in one minute what we're all about here. And, uh, you know, it might uh, pique someone's interest in it. So go ahead and do that. Uh, also, speaking of the Memento Mori, if you want a t-shirt with a skeleton hand on it holding a microphone, which is the logo of the podcast, go over to shop.deathofdeath.net and pick yourself up a t-shirt. We also have stickers of that. Um, you know, I, I'm i trying to get a lot more merch going, and part of that plan is to sell what we have. So if you're 
putting off, you know, buying stuff until there's more merch available, go ahead and buy a t-shirt now and help me move some of the stuff so that we can get more merch coming in. I need to pay artists to make cool designs and, and I've got a lot of good ideas. So if you buy a t-shirt, there's going to be a lot more stuff coming for you. And, um, if you're a Patreon member, you get a 20% discount on that stuff. So, uh, for those of you who are already patrons, message me on Patreon for a discount link. Although I'm pretty sure all of you already have a t-shirt and a sticker. So, you know, it's probably no use of you, uh, to you, but if you haven't signed up yet, (laughs) then go over. It's $4 a month. You get an exclusive monthly podcast. You get this podcast three days early, sometimes, sometimes two days early, uh, and you get the discounts on merch and, you know, sometimes there's other benefits as well. Uh, four dollars a month 20 percent off merch um yeah helps the show helps us you know us <laughs> helps me operate things pay for the hosting fees and and also make new stuff new merch for you guys and i want to get a lot more stuff i want coffee mugs i want journals i got big aspirations and your patreon money is going to make that happen so if you want to do that four dollars a month patreon.com slash death of death and then lastly Please, please, and I know a lot of you have been, and I appreciate it. Go fund Trevor's GoFundMe to pay for his cancer treatments. When I started announcing it weekly on the podcast, we were at twenty-one thousand dollars, and now we're over thirty grand. So I have no idea if any of that was from my listeners. I would like to think that some of it was. I really hope it was. If you've been doing that, keep it up. Anything you can give, even if it's six bucks, just go give it to Trevor's GoFundMe. Uh, it is worth it. It is it is the best pocket change or or a thousand dollars or whatever whatever you can give. It is the best uh, use you could have for that money. So that's available. Um, you know, I don't know the URL for that, but there's a huge banner for it on the deathofdeath.net homepage. Go to deathofdeath.net, and there's a huge banner right at the top of the homepage, and you can just click that, and it'll take you straight to the GoFundMe. So do that. Uh, Since I didn't announce the show up front, (laughs) because I'm an idiot, I'll say here that this is where we proclaim Christ's victory over sin, death, and everything else. I have been your host, Nick Stewart, and I want to thank you all for listening. And I will talk to you next week.